Christian love is absurd. Absolutely absurd, but also absolutely transformative. It's absurd because it does not make sense to a world that's bent on delivering justice, that's convinced that it needs to bring about vengeance. You know, we look at our first reading and we get this beautiful example of King David. You know, it's like there's nothing new to humanity, right? David's able to like sneak into his enemy's camp. And it's interesting actually like what, the, what it says here um, from Abishai. Abishai says, God has delivered your enemy into your grasp this day. Well, what, what, what did God do? He gave, gave David an option. He says, you can choose your way or you can choose my way, right? Like who would blame David for taking Saul's life when it's right there? Saul who's been chasing David around and David the whole time is like, I just want to be friends, you know? Pretty good general, but I just want to be friends, you know? And Saul can't handle that. But what does David do? David loves with the heart of God. He says, I will not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. He recognizes actually the dignity of Saul. Saul who's like, who wants him dead. But David offers this beautiful precursor to what Christ is going to give us in the gospel. Love. A love that actually seeks the good of the other. You know what else is interesting there? If David kills Saul, that means Saul has no time to repent. It's like David is like casting the final judgment on Saul. And that's not David's place. And it's also not our place. It's an absurd thing. But that's what Jesus teaches us with love. But at the same time, Christian love... It looks absurd, but it's also transformative. It's transforming because it has the power to change those around us. It has the power to change those whom it encounters. I love the example of uh, Cardinal Francis Xavier Van Thuan, who was a Vietnamese cardinal who died in, I think, like 2002 or so. And uh, he was was imprisoned... uh, in Vietnam for 13 years. And uh, nine of those years were in solitary confinement. But Cardinal Van Tuan, he had this beautiful joy about him, and he used to sing hymns to keep his spirits up. And they actually had to keep changing the guards because the guards kept converting. <laughs> like, he was such a joyful witness that, like, it was contagious. Um, one prison guard expressed his disbelief that, that this bishop could love him and the others who jailed him without a trial or anything. And Archbishop Van Tuan replied, Jesus has taught me to love everyone. And if I don't, I am no longer worthy to be called a Christian. Drop the pin, you know. I'm no longer worthy to be called a Christian. Like, Christian love doesn't, like, choose its target and, like, zero in on it in the way that it's, like, exclusive, right? Jesus is, like, very clear, and we, like, hear it, and we're like, okay, I'll try to be better, right? But there's actually, like, a deeper movement that God wants to stir within us. 
like a deeper movement that says, okay, like, Lord, I do need to change. Lord, there's rough parts of my life that we got to sand off. Like something needs to change. Jesus, in, in the gospel, he says, from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Now, there's a little bit of a context behind this. Uh, Israel was occupied by Rome, and the Roman soldiers actually had a right, like if they came upon someone from Israel, a non-Roman, uh, to say, hey, I like your cloak, give it to me. Or if they see someone, the Roman soldier would have the, um, the right by law to say, you know what, you have to carry my stuff for one mile. And Jesus is saying, hey, if the Romans stop you and ask for your cloak, try handing over your tunic as well. You know, When he tries to take his stuff back after one mile, say, no, I'm going to carry it for two. Can you imagine? Like, the absurdity of love just, like, baffles people, you know? Because I'm like, now, I have seven brothers and sisters. So part of the, part of the game is, like, getting a rise out of people, you know? And it, it's, like, terrible. When, my youngest brother is, like, the smartest one of all of us. And we'd be like, we, you, like, make fun of him. He, like, he just agrees with you. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of, like, dumb or whatever. <laughs> it's like, Joe, you're, you're not supposed to do that, you know? You're supposed to be offended. <laughs> and, um, but it's amazing, like, what a simple response can do. And even more so, like, in the places in our heart where we don't really want to touch, the things where we're like, I know I have to change. Like, Jesus invites us to contemplate what an absurd love looks like in our heart. What true forgiveness really looks like. You know, true love, it doesn't like see our enemy and say, they're going to get what's coming to them. Jesus says, no, this person's made in the image and likeness of God. This person is destined for eternal life in heaven just like me. Like when you look at your enemies, you ever think like, God wants me to spend eternity with this person in love. Like when we look around at our lives, what do we see? Do we see like opportunities for anger? You know, when like someone cuts us off in traffic or whatever? Or are they opportunities for love? Is it possible like that the person who cuts you off in traffic um, has no one else to pray for them? Like that it's an opportunity from the Lord? Is it possible that even though your roommate left their dishes in the sink for a whole week on purpose, that like that's an, actually an opportunity to love? If it seems absurd to love in a certain moment, it's probably because Jesus is inviting us to love. But the absurdity is not the end. The transformation is transformation of the other, the transformation of ourselves, so that we can be what Jesus says. And then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High.